Hello and welcome to Being Well According to Dan and Brian, the most handsome podcast on the internet. I'm Dan Shovelton, and I'm here with my co-host, Brian Coleslaw-Thompson. Coleslaw, how are you doing today? Coleslaw. Uh, I, I'm good, man. I'm good. I, 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 I love the nickname, Coleslaw. I don't know why, because I don't like Coleslaw, <laughs> but I feel like coleslaw may have a different meaning in this case so i'm just gonna go with it uh not that i'm aware of uh i just picked it because uh i found out the other day that you grew up in the south and i didn't know that and i don't know this for a fact but i feel like the south eats a lot of coleslaw i'm not really sure uh it just sounded good when i put brian coleslaw yeah in there. coleslaw it's gets put on a lot of things it gets put on sandwiches it gets you know it gets put on all kinds of things now i am normally the one that says you know uh no coleslaw or, you know, back home when I'd eat a lot of Zaxby's, I'd say, you know, more fries and less coleslaw. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, you know, that's uh, that's OK. I'll take it. One of these nicknames is going to stick. I'm, I guarantee it. I just don't know which one. We'll see. We'll have to let the crowds decide. The fans will tell you what your nickname is. I look forward to that. <laughs> I look forward to that. Brian, I have fantastic news. We have a phenomenally impressive guest on our show today. She's been featured in Women's Health, Shape Magazine, Men's Health, U.S. News and World Report, The Washington Post, Elle, Brian, your favorite, 17, and many others. Introducing Tori Schmidt, registered dietitian and founder of Yes Nutrition. Tori, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, guys. Thank you. It's so good to be here talking with you today. Now, hold on. Is it, that? Are, is that true? She's been featured in all those places and more. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I feel very honored to be on. I didn't know that. Wow. I should have done better research. <laughs> well, you can uh, view those articles that I've contributed to on my website um, under the media section. Nice. We will put a link on yeah, the description of the podcast. Fantastic. Yeah. Tori, tell us your story in 30-ish seconds. Sure. Well, gosh, Um, I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, as you mentioned, and I help others say yes to living a more nutritious and balanced life through one-on-one nutrition counseling, through group speaking events, and even through some nutrition communication services with industry brands and food organizations that I know and love. So here's a question for you. So why uh dietetics is that like the name of the so you're i know you're a registered dietitian but do you call yeah. the study the field study dietetics why dietetics what prompted you to get into this field and what drives you yeah you know as i entered college in my freshman year i thought i wanted to study molecular genetics i just thought it was so fascinating how how our genes impact and tell the future of our health. And as I got into the um, courses a little bit, I thought, you know what, I love this, but I also really want to equip people with the tools that they can use to, despite their genes, to make the most of their health with whatever genes that they and DNA that they have, right? So I switched over to nutrition my sophomore year of college and have just studied it ever since. I graduated from Ohio State with my bachelor's and master's. Um, But my start was really in understanding that our nutrition can impact our health um, and, and even impact gene expression as well. 
That's phenomenal. Now, Brian, you touched on this earlier. Um, and a big question I have is why don't diets work? Wow. Wow. You I know, feel like I feel like every question to get started in, with. In yeah. 30 seconds or less. <laughs> I, want, I want to hear more than 30 seconds about that. Because, I do you know, too. Everyone's, yeah. it seems like every quarter there's some sort of, you know, hot, fresh, hot, you know, diet or some sort of fad or something like that. But if they worked, people would, you know, there would be like a, you know, an instruction and everyone would be the way they want to be. Absolutely. You know, I can definitely see the allure of diets, especially in the culture that we live in that, you know, shares pictures of thin people or very fit people as being this model of health. But I think we have to take a step back and recognize that no matter what our size is, we can be choosing healthful and health promoting behaviors um, with whatever body that we have at this current moment. And at the same time, with whatever body we have, that doesn't always equate to health because somebody who may be in a larger body, but is making very great food decisions and is getting enough sleep and is being very physically active and managing stress and all of those aspects of health and wellness, um, they may have better health than someone who looks seemingly healthy, but really doesn't engage in those healthful behaviors. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, I don't think diets work and this is, this is, um, really emphasized in, in, even in research, we're seeing scientific research. In fact, yesterday um, I saw uh, published back in February was a meta-analysis. So it took a look at a bunch of different systematic reviews and randomized controlled trials. And, and it even showed us, it demonstrated that most diets long-term simply don't work. So you're saying that I can still be healthy and eat healthy, but still uh, have pizza every once in a while because I love pizza. <laughs> yeah, you know, I really think that those treat foods and those play foods, um, maybe sometimes we'll call them, you know, whatever we call them, um, the ones that maybe aren't as full of vitamins and minerals, I think they can still fit. And when I began my business back in 2014, one of the things that I wanted to do is have us walk away from this no mentality, because at that point, there were a lot of different media messages, um, even healthcare providers saying, okay, we need to put you on this diet and you need to be saying no to all of these foods. And what I found is that people were, they would take a look at these lists and then they would say, all right, well, what can I eat? What does that leave me with? Right. And so if it was something like, no chips, no pop, no cookies. And you said, you know, I'm a doctor and I say no chips, no pop, no cookies. Sure, that can seem shocking and maybe you'll avoid it for the time being. But if we don't find adequate replacements and if we're not including those things that we should be saying yes to, I find that it becomes really hard to stick to those eating patterns. I think you're exactly right. I, I was on a I was on a diet one time and it was very, very strict. And one thing that was allowed obviously is was peanut butter. And I was finding myself that you know, my daily like peanut butter smoothie was like my like sweet treat. And uh -huh. I would like, I'd like get like a knife. Like when the peanut butter jar was empty, I'd get like a knife and I'd like scrape every little tiny last bit of peanut butter out of this thing because it was like, oh my God, this is so good. Cause I was eating just like, you know, spinach and cod. Like <laughs> yeah. We have to make sure that, you know, with whatever we're eating, that we have balance, not only in the nutrients that we're eating, but also in how those foods make us feel because 
food is such an integral part of our lives. We use it for celebrations. We use it in times where we need comfort. Um, even children and babies use food for comfort sometimes. So I think just recognizing that that's a normal um, part of human life um, can be helpful for moving forward. I find when I am bored, I eat a lot more than when I'm not. And, and it's interesting because you say comfort food, like right now, you know, some of my family members, they've gone straight to comfort food in this time where we're all at home and we, we can't go out where, you know, if, if I were to do that, it would not be good. I would gain 40 pounds just by eating what I want to eat versus what I need to eat. Yeah. So, I mean, any suggestions on, you know, how to avoid that binge eating when you're bored and things like that. I mean, is there, is there an alternative snack that somebody could eat on in that instance versus just going to the cookies or the chips or something like that, that may not taste like broccoli? Yeah. Broccoli, yeah. Dan, I know that's your thing. I love broccoli. <laughs> You do, Dan. Uh, I heard in the first podcast that you have about three to four crowns of broccoli a day. So that's quite impressive. And uh, a week, so, three to four crowns oh, of broccoli a day. Would oh, be a real, week. That'd be a lot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, still, it's very impressive nonetheless. Um, you know, yes, Brian, there are some foods that we can uh, be choosing in this time. Um, obviously, with the coronavirus crisis, there are more people that are at home that are preparing meals at home or maybe eating snacks at home. And there's also this need to stock up and fill our pantries and fill our refrigerators and freezers with food. So I think before I chat about maybe some of those healthy alternatives, it's important to take a look at you know, the foods that people are choosing right now. And one of the things that I found interesting is that in a Bloomberg business report uh, that was released in the middle of March, they took a look at some Nielsen data with respect to grocery store trends. And they saw that both pretzel and potato chip sales rose um, in the weeks uh, surrounding the initial COVID crisis with, you know, lockdown and stay at home orders and some of those um, mandates looming in the background. They saw that there were, uh, you know, people were moving away. I think the article said moving away from kale chips and now, you know, eating Oreos. And, and this plays out in scientific research too. We see that when people are stressed, when people feel, uh, you know, feel stressed or in, in times of crisis, they tend to choose foods that are higher in fat and higher in sugar. So they have this increased preference for these foods, but also after then they eat these foods, they seem to feel comforted. They, um, they seem to feel like this relieves their stress. And so, so I think when we understand why this happens, why sometimes we have an increased preference for high sugar, high fat foods, we can begin to really think to our think and ask ourselves, you know, is food really going to solve this issue right now? And though it may comfort us in the short term, it might not be our comfort long term. So, so we've got to think about the solutions there that are really going to get out the root cause. Um, now I've, I've, I've read a study that, um, eating fruits and vegetables improves mood and overall happiness. Is there evidence behind, uh, like something like this, uh, and are there other foods we can pay attention to in order to improve other aspects of our lives? 
Yeah, great question. You know, what we eat can impact our health on so many different levels, including our mental health. And, you know, I think a lot of this research and impact of nutrition and mental health is really just now beginning. And we know that everything is, uh, you know, how we feel mentally, it's based upon a number of factors, not only including our nutrition, but also our sleep and our stress levels and our daily movement and those sorts of aspects of our health. Um, but when it comes to nutrition, what we know is that when we, um, you know, can make more nutritious food choices, that that can improve our optimal health long term. And so, you know, do fruits and vegetables improve our health? Um, yes. Do they improve our mental health? Potentially. You know, some starchy fruits, starchy vegetables, um, fruits like maybe apples, pears, and bananas, or vegetables like potatoes, um, they're rich in those carbohydrates. And, that, and we know that carbohydrates help um, produce that serotonin, that feel-good hormone that our body um, that are that make us feel good. So what Brian. I just heard was eat potato <laughs> chips. That's that's what I just heard. But yeah. I know that's not what you said. But that's right. what I heard. Yeah, and I would just love to give some love to the potato right now. You know, um, a potato itself, sometimes people go on diets or they try to eat healthy and they think, okay, I can't have any more white potatoes. But, um, you know, white potatoes are so nutritious. They offer about double the potassium as what a banana does. Um, it's more so what we do to the potato that maybe renders it a bit less healthy for us. Occasionally, some potato chips I think are fine. Of course, I think all foods for most people um, can fit in balance balance but a potato go for it yeah moderation moderation yeah no I, and my wife you know who is much better at eating healthy than i am i've learned a lot from her but she does eat baked potatoes a lot and so she'll she'll bake a potato you know, she'll she'll eat a baked potato and and she doesn't cover it in you know all the stuff like you're talking about you know the sour cream and the bacon and all the stuff that makes it really unhealthy um and, uh, you know, which makes baked potatoes less appealing for me, but, uh, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, uh, it's nice to show a little love towards the potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's great when we can take those potatoes and maybe drizzle some olive oil over top for those good heart healthy fats and maybe even sprinkle some hemp seeds on top. So you get a little extra protein, a little fiber and more good fats there. Um, and that can be a more nutritious alternative to a traditional, uh, traditionally prepared baked potato with some of the other add-ins. I'm going to stick to baked potatoes or potatoes for just a second. Sure. How do you, how do you cook? What is your favorite way to cook potatoes? You know, just a regular baked potato. Sometimes I'll even take some plain Greek yogurt and use that as a sour cream alternative. I think that can be really delicious. Um, but I recently, and I think this might be one of my favorite ways to prepare a potato as of late, um, was to take some black beans. So I, uh, okay, what I did is I cooked the potato, split it in half, scooped out the inside and mixed it with some pureed black beans and then recooked it took it out of the oven um, and then topped it with some guacamole and salsa and a little bit of hot sauce. And oh, let me tell you, that was a winner. That was very good. That so sounds awesome. Like a, yeah, like a loaded Southwestern potato bowl. Nice. It's like a it's like a twice baked potato, except just with different a different method, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I feel like we might have some listeners ask for that recipe. <laughs> okay. That 
I'll have to put it on on paper. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll take that recipe. That sounds great. Yeah. So get ready for that. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, indulging my question about potatoes. And and Brian, if the potatoes don't work, you can always jump on the broccoli train with me. You know, broccoli covered in ranch is fantastic. No, kick that ranch to the curb. Just straight raw broccoli. You snap it off. Straight raw broccoli. You know, I do, I do actually, surprisingly, uh, the one thing that I like that my wife doesn't like as much is I, I like steamed broccoli with a little bit of butter and, and a little bit of uh, salt on it. Um, but she, yeah. you know, she's much more the fan of putting the cheese on the broccoli after she steamed it. But, but I, I will do that. That is about as plain as I can do broccoli is steamed broccoli with uh, some butter and some seasoning on it. But I do it. Yeah. And, you know, I think this calls to mind, I heard someone else say this um, a couple of months ago. They said, you know, it's not that the ranch that we dip our broccoli in has led us, has led Americans to the health crisis that they're experiencing. Um, it's more so like, you know, the the continuation of um, more energy dense foods, less nutrient dense foods. And I think, you know, if you, if you have to have ranch with your broccoli, have it, have it in small respectful portions and maybe sometimes swap that ranch for a hummus or for a guacamole or for some other delicious dip and dressing that you love. Um, But a little ranch here and there, I think it can fit, especially if it helps you eat your broccoli. I really like you, Tori. (laughs) I feel like I like you more than Dan right now. Dan's telling me I can't do the anything like that. And, and I mean, I really do. I, I really like you right now. Um, you, you heard her, Dan. You heard her, her heard judgment. It. You heard her. She's the professional. Absolutely. So, so okay. Well, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that mental health aspect of it. And, and I would say that since I've started eating better, I do feel better. I have more energy. Amazingly enough, you know, you you take all like you said the sweets and the the sugar pack stuff, and and I don't eat it nearly as much as I used to, but yet I still have more energy. That's great. Why, why is that? What what do you, do you know? Is there is there a, a physical or a, an explanation for why that happens? Well. There, you know, when we eat foods that have a balance of nutrients rather than just sugar, for example, um, we're going to offer a different blood sugar response for our bodies. And I like to think of that blood sugar response kind of like a, um, like a thermometer of our energy. It it helps us gauge our energy levels. So if we were to say, maybe drink a soda or have a dessert that was largely sugar based, what would happen is that our blood sugar levels and thus our energy would rise relatively quickly. But if we didn't sustain that with other nourishing foods, maybe foods that had fiber or protein or healthy fats in them, then what we then see is a crash in energy. And so what I think you've experienced is you're transitioning away from added sugars and onto more of the uh, nutritious foods is that you're experiencing really just this um, uh, more stable, suitable energy, if you will, throughout the day that kind of ebbs and flows, but never dramatically rises and falls. Therefore, you may be perceiving that you have better energy at, at this point because of that. That makes total sense to me. Total sense. I noticed that like when I, the, the one time a year I'll have a soda or like, um, you know, if I'm not, if I'm in a situation where I'm not eating as many vegetables as I usually eat, like I feel like sluggish and I'm just like, blah. And that what you just said makes complete sense. 
Yeah, and you think about digestive health in those scenarios too, right? Um, we want to make sure that our digestive health is 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 functioning and working well. And sometimes when we're eating very high fat, high fat and fatty foods, maybe it's fried foods or um, if we're just putting things in our body that aren't really nourishing it well, some of that stuff can, you know, get sluggish and make us feel uh, poorer as well. What kind of foods can folks eat to uh, improve their digestive health? Yeah, foods high in fiber are going to be great for my digestive standpoint. So we're thinking like berries, for example, raspberries have about seven grams of fiber per cup. So they're a super easy addition to um, meals and snacks. Berries, beans are another great source of fiber, beans and lentils, um, nuts and seeds offer some fiber. And then when somebody's choosing grain or grain based foods to make those choices, whole grains, um, so that you get the, that extra fiber there as well. But it's not not only fiber that's helpful from a digestive health standpoint, but also probiotics. Probiotics are these live and active bacteria that are found within food, but that also populate our the lining of our digestive system. And when we when this environment is healthy and well with these healthy bacteria with these probiotics, um, we see better digestive health as well. And probiotics can be found in your foods like yogurt or uh, cultured vegetables or sauerkraut, um, kefir, and kombucha. Brian, did you know that I make my own kombucha? You know, Dan, uh, we, we have <laughs> we have spoken about this and, and you know, I encourage your uh, entrepreneurial spirit as it relates to your kombucha uh, production. I think it's fantastic that you're creating that business to supply kombucha to yourself. Um, you know, the funny thing is when you make your own kombucha, uh, no one will is drink it. Is it kombucha or is it kabucha? Kombucha? Uh, yes. Kombucha. Yep. Kombucha with K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A. Yep. Kombucha. Yeah. I think I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to take the probiotic my wife gives me every day. Hey, you know, it's one of those things, you know, don't knock it till you try it. It's uh, it's tasty. It's fizzy, Amen. you know. Uh, I can send you some. I'll get some in the mail out to you today. I, you know, whatever, you feel, <laughs> whatever, whatever you feel you need to do, Dan, to 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 make yourself feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Need, I'm worried yeah. about you. I'm worried about your um, your probiotic and your digestive. You know, tract. I'll tell you that's something my wife, Ash, she's very passionate about. My kids all take a probiotic every day. Uh, you know, we take a probiotic every day, and it's uh, it's. Yeah, no, I, I get it. That's, that's something I definitely believe in. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think when you look at, you know, your, your digestive, uh, side of it and your, you know, you mentioned whole grains and that's actually part of the well-building standard, you know, to be able to, to promote the consumption of whole grains. And, you know, I think, uh, everything now is, you know, become so artificial, you know, we've got, it's, it's really hard to find good, you know, good for you foods, especially in the workplace, but even more so at the grocery store sometimes, you know, sure. everything's, everything is, you know, seems like everything's bad for you. Every, every day I feel like my wife's telling me another thing will cause cancer. You know? I know. It's, it's hard to make food decisions, especially when you go to the grocery store and there's 
you know, thousands of choices and like 20 different types of peanut butter you can choose from and, you know, a hundred different types of cereal and 40 different types of breads, it can be a bit overwhelming. And, you know, I, I can certainly see the concern about artificial ingredients or preservatives used in food. I think it's important to recognize that at this point, the FDA says that those foods are safe, that those ingredients are safe. Um, so there is that level of safety that we um, know. But one of the things that I still question is, do these contribute to good health? Are they inert or could they potentially um, be a disadvantage to our health? And I think some of that research is still in its infancy and still something that we need to learn, you know, how certain ingredients impact our health long term. Tori, I need some advice. So I, sure. I, I, it's my opinion that I do a phenomenal job at making great choices in the foods I eat and you know regulating uh the the treats uh or play uh meals that i have but my problem is um a, a moderation so how can i and folks listening how can we measure moderation of foods and how can we be cognizant of correct portion size we should be eating yeah the, that's a great topic um you know moderation and to say everything in moderation is great but i think a lot of times people get that question mark like well hey what is moderation because moderation looks a bit different for everybody some for some people you know moderation is um one cookie with every meal instead of two cookies with every meal for some people moderation is one cookie a week for some people moderation is one cookie a month right and i think for you know for any person moderation is this level and it's really subjective for each person um, but it's at this level where they feel satisfied nutritionally mentally and physically um, and when all of those three come into play then they perhaps have reached that level of better moderation for them so you know what does moderation look like for you dan you know i would i would say that it's a point where you feel like, okay, I'm eating a respectful amount of foods, uh, this respectful type of foods, and I feel like I'm treating my body very well, and my body is, you know, my numbers for health are looking good too, and I think that would be a level that um, would be a comfortable moderation standpoint for whichever food that you're having. And also, I think it's, uh, from what you just said, it's probably moderation is more of a journey than it is like a set, you know, a set measurement so for example you said you know a person might have two cookies for every meal then okay let's back it down to one cookie every meal and then after a while let's back it down to one cookie a week then one cookie a month absolutely and you know i also want to frame moderation in the sense of maybe foods that are more vitamin and mineral or, or nutrient rich right so i think a lot of times we take a look at moderation as like an exclusionist perspective like let's limit things but also you know i would question well are you having a moderate and balanced amount of beans in your diet are you getting um salmon and oily fish in your diet are you um you know what does moderation look like for some of those foods are you eating berries are you eating garlic and onions are you eating some of these nutritious items and um if not how can we work that in so that you're getting a better moderation of those too. I got to be honest, this is really uh, interesting because my my wife for years, as I was not eating healthy at all, I was eating fried foods a lot, drinking a lot of Dr. Pepper. 
every year I'd go get my physical, get my blood drawn. And she was just waiting at home with all these changes for my diet that I was going to have to do because my cholesterol would be high or this would be high. And, you know, she was waiting for it to happen as I got older. And, uh, you know, my body started feeling these things more. And every year I'd come home and the doctor would say, you're doing great. Keep it up. Right. And my wife would get so frustrated because if she ate the way I ate, her cholesterol would go up. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is interesting when, when we talk about moderation as being so specific to a person, uh, because I experienced that in my own life with my wife, because she can't eat like I do. And, mm-hmm. you know, not if she ate like I did, she, she would gain weight faster than I would. She would have higher cholesterol. She'd have all these different, you know, blood pressure issues, things like that. So it is interesting how it's such a personal uh, thing, which also makes it even that much more confusing and hard for people to do. Absolutely. You know, nutrition and how I approach nutrition with my one-on-one clients is that this is very individualized. So what works for you might not work for the next person and what works for that person might not work for you. And I think that's sometimes why, you know, kind of looping back to this whole diets don't work theme is that, you know, diets largely take a look at a group as a whole and, and they don't hit at those individual needs and concerns of that person when it comes to nutrition. So yes, individualized, personalized eating patterns that, that help someone get those vitamins, minerals, nutrients, um, is going to be important. Brian, I felt like you were kind of touching on this a little bit, um, talking about what you eat versus what your wife eats. Um, Tori, how can, how does environment factor into how we eat? Right. You know what? It's kind of like I like to think of the phrase here, out of sight, out of mind. And on the flip side, when things are in sight, they're in mind. So when we see different foods available to us, whether, you know, we're at the grocery store or in our own homes, in our kitchens, um, that visual appearance of food might be that cue to eat that food. So I think it's great when pantries and fridges and freezers are stocked with nourishing options so that those are the choices that are made. Uh, I 100% agree with that. When we have ice cream in our house, I will eat ice cream. But when we don't have ice cream in our house, I don't even think about it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when you have a kitchen that is more supportive of healthful behaviors, it's a little bit easier to um, to make those choices happen. But I think on the flip side, I do want to bring up a point um, about this whole mentality of restriction. And I think for some people keeping these less nutritious items out of their houses can actually backfire. And what I mean by that is that in research, we have seen that this restriction from food or when people say, you know what, if I see a brownie, I eat a brownie. So I'm not going to keep any brownies in my house at all. And when I go out, I'm not even going to look for brownies. I'm just going to totally avoid them. But what happens here is when people restrict certain foods or food groups, oftentimes that is what leads to or triggers a binge on those foods. So I think we have to be very careful here when we stock our kitchens that we're including nutritious items, yes, but we're not doing it to the extent that we're being very restrictive and exclusive of of different foods because I think that could set us up for potentially um, some some distress in the long run. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of like 
binge eating like sweets or something like that when it's available when I've been restricting myself. Right. And the, and the cycle continues then. So when somebody, after they binge, then they tend to feel guilty. And then that solution to guilt is to simply restrict again. So the cycle continues on and on. Um, when in reality, if somebody just ate the brownie and enjoyed it and just kind of moved on with their day and included other nutritious foods, like, you know, we can, we can make that fit. I think that goes back to the whole individualized moderation thing, because, you know, I can keep a, a small little thing of, you know, ice cream in the freezer and snack on that over time where, you know, my mom will eat an entire Ben and Jerry's ice cream thing at one time. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's all going down in a five minute sitting. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, that ties right back into that whole moderation being such an individual thing. It's awesome. Absolutely. So Tori, you uh, obviously as a registered dietitian, you help people uh, look at their own diets and what they're eating and how they can eat in moderation and regulate. Um, and you mentioned this earlier and I'd like to know a little bit more about this. You do public speaking events and obviously you um, will write articles for various publications. What, what, what else do you do? Gosh, well, what other, what other, or, or maybe, maybe I should say, what other services do you offer for individuals and companies? Yeah, so I do these one-on-one -on -one nutrition counseling sessions where we meet um, either in person when we can meet in person um, uh, at a gym here in Ohio, or we meet through telehealth through an online secure video conferencing platform. And that's great because what we do in those conversations is we talk about someone and their health goals, their current food habits, their you know former health history, any medications or supplements that they're taking, and we look to get them better health and whatever that might mean to them. So maybe it's, um, you know, LDL cholesterol reduction, or maybe they want to see um, their vitamin D scores go up, or maybe um, they just want better digestive health, or maybe they want to break free from some of the food rules that they've set up for themselves and really experience some food freedom and just develop a, a healthier and balanced eating pattern. So we do that um, through one-on-one -on -one sessions. And then I also do the group speaking events, as you mentioned. I talk with different um, companies through, uh, you know, if they have a corporate wellness program, or maybe somebody is, uh, some company is starting a lunch and learn series, or maybe it's just a, a one-off session where they're looking for some introductory or even more complex nutrition topics to cover those with their employees. So I do that as well. Um, and then I also work with the food companies and do Facebook Live video productions and blog writing on their behalf to talk to consumers about how they can begin to incorporate some of those brands' foods into their own um, lives and kitchens. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Uh, and you talking, the, the part where you're talking about going into a company and talking to the whole company about um, uh, nutrition, dietetics, things like that, that would really, that would be phenomenal for a company who's looking to uh, align with uh, the well-building standard uh, and how they're educating their people on uh, what to eat and the options uh, that they're giving folks at work. I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I 
I have this great series. It's a four session series that I work through on, you know, really setting the foundations because sometimes, you know, some employees don't know what to eat or how to set up their plates. And then we hop into some things that are a little bit more complex, like how to read a food label and the ingredients to look for. And then one of the conversations that I really appreciate about this four session series is the conversation where we talk about what makes it hard to stick to a diet or what makes it hard to eat well. And, and people in these sessions are very vulnerable and they, you know, talk about the fact that, oh, well, they're preparing food for their entire family. And so, um, so that makes it hard to get something that their whole family likes, or maybe they're talking about their budget or whatever reasons that make it harder for them to eat well. And then we find solutions to help work around some of those um, struggles that they have. So that's a really uh, interesting and, and, and empowering session for them as well. Brian, do you have anything else before we get into my favorite segment, the Fast Five? Oh, it's coming. Uh, you know, I think I think that's what you just said. Is again, I, I can relate. My, I know my wife has struggled with that over the years. You know, where we've got four picky kids, and you know, I'm a fifth picky kid, and you know, she has always tried very hard to to make healthy and and good you know choices for food and. And uh, it is hard, you know, and I can only imagine how much more difficult that is in the workplace where, you know, you're, you're either bringing food from home and, uh, you know, and you're on a budget or you're just dealing with whatever your employer has. And if your employer isn't yeah. focused on, you know, eating healthy and having those healthy choices, then, you know, what do you do, you know? And, uh, and let's be honest, most of our quick choices when we're out and about is not healthy. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's unhealthy. And so unless you bring a crown of broccoli with you, unless you're gnawing on a crown of broccoli, like Dan, I mean, in that, <laughs> and, and I still, I, I, I still want to see a picture of you just driving down the road, eating a crown of broccoli. But, uh, no, I think, uh, this was great. I look forward to, you know, having you back on Tori when we get back to normal and folks are back in their office and, and talking a little bit more about that aspect because i think that's even uh, sometimes more difficult than making good choices at home because we don't uh, we don't have the ability to make some of those decisions ourselves yeah what's, what's available right eating at home is one thing and then eating away from home is a whole other thing so yeah i'd be happy to talk with you more about that in, in the coming weeks how about that an invitation to come back on before the podcast is even over i like it <laughs> I like it. Very impressive. I told you she was phenomenally impressive. Well, All right, she, Tori. well what's more impressive is that she accepted Dan. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> uh, well, you might find out why she accepted during the fast five, which it is time for Tori. Here's what we're going to do. This is, this is the fast five. I'm going to fire at you five uh, arbitrary questions about you, um, about your life, about your opinions on things. And I want you to answer them in, you know, 10 seconds or less. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Question number one, how did you meet your husband? <laughs> At your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you folks who don't know, and you, there's no way you would know this, uh, Tor and I were next door neighbors when we grew up. Um, and she did meet her, her husband at my, at my wife and my wedding uh, almost eight years ago. And uh, there was a big, before Tori's wedding, there was a big debate between my dad, myself, and uh, Tori's brother-in-law about who was the official, you know, who like officially set them up, which I still claim it was me. 
Um, well, they're not here the, to defend themselves. Yeah. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. That. <laughs> I have hard, I have hard evidence. Ask her husband. I, I yeah, I, I, I suggested that to him anyway. Question number two, uh, Tori, what was your best vacation you've ever taken? Wow. You know, we just, this January, we went to Walt Disney World. My husband surprised us with a trip to Disney World and um, him and I went with our one-year-old at the time. And it was just so fun. I had been to Disney World in years past, but it was really neat to see it through our little one-year-old's eyes. And, you know, I know he won't remember a thing, but we, we sure will. So that's been my best vacation. That's awesome. What is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, wow. Gosh, I'm gonna have to think a little bit on this one. Um, you know, I had a mentor in college one time tell me, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I think that I really tried to follow that. Um, I love learning about nutrition first and foremost. I love sharing that knowledge with other people. And so I think that's probably some, some of the best advice I've, I've gotten is really just to, to follow your heart and to pursue what you love. And I think that that can make a big impact. That is great advice. Uh, what is your favorite treat to yourself? Hmm. You know what? My favorite treat is I love dried mango. It's like the sweetest little candy. And if we're talking about food, I want to share a food treat with you. And I think that would for sure be dried mango. I'll get some of that. I'll try that out for sure. Um, last question. If you weren't a dietitian, what would be your dream job? Wow. I think I'd want to be... I love being a dietitian, um, but I think I'd want to be a teacher, like a science teacher or um, a health and wellness teacher, something that still has a, a lot to do with science, um, a lot to do with people, and a lot to do with um, education. And that science would probably be more closer to like biology rather than like physics. Yeah, mm, definitely biology. Fair. Yeah. I was I was never good at physics anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> Awesome. I wasn't good at either one. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> That's why we sell carpet, Brian. That is why we sell carpet. Yeah. And LVT. And LVT. Um, <laughs> well, Tori, thank you so much for being on our show, our show today and sharing your world and your experiences. Hey, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, folks I want to thank you for listening and learning with us today. Connect with Tori uh, at her website at www.yesnutritionllc.com. There's also a link to her website in the podcast description. Also, you should follow her on Instagram because she puts up great uh, tips, tricks, and recipes and whatever she's making. I follow that. I think it's great. If you like what you heard today, share our health and wellness podcast with your close and personal friends. Share it with people you used to know. Heck, tell random strangers about it. We always strive to spread the good word according to us. I'm Dan Shuffleton. I'm Brian Thompson. And this is Being Well, According to Dan and Brian. And until next time, champagne wishes and caviar dreams.